right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Out From The Cube. I am uh, your host, George Evian, here as always, or at least for the past 20 or so episodes with Joe Quinn. Joe, how are you, sir? I'm excellent, George. How about yourself? I am I am actually having a great week. As some of you, I'm gonna we're gonna bring our guests in in a second. Um, but it's uh, I, I ended this workout that you and I've been work or that you and I have discussed a number of times, sure. and I ended this, so I'm I'm done with these uh, health challenges. Done with them. So, but what I have found is I, because I'm done with these health challenges, I'm not doing some of these things, and I'm like kind of letting myself down and all that. So I picked it up the last. This week, essentially, I picked it back up. I was like, I got to keep doing these things because I felt so good about myself. And I, I say that because I've had a great week. I've had an outstanding mm -hmm. week getting on some of this stuff. I'm not doing it as hard as I was earlier. But the idea of just getting my body moving, knocking things out, accomplishing goals, have, it definitely changed my mindset this week. It's been a great week to answer so your question. What day did you stop? Ooh, I stopped on, I think it was Cinco de Mayo. It was like May 5th I stopped. It was just convenient that we stopped on that day that allowed me to go out and have a beverage with some friends. And so, mm -hmm. and then it it's just one of those things, like when, you, when you're playing at a high level and then you kind of let yourself down and, and you get back to revert to some older habits, you're just like, man, I'm just, I was really down on myself. Like it was a mental thing. I was like down. I'm not knocking this stuff out. I'm not running. I'm not eating well, blah, 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 all this. So I was like, this is garbage and got back into it and mindset, attitude, effort, you know, body, like everything got back in sync. So, so May that, 20th now, and you stopped roughly 15 days ago. Yep. And so I'm, it's not that I'm back on the challenge, knocking it out. Mm -hmm. I'm doing a lot of those things. I'm not doing all of them, but I'm running every day again. I'm back on kind of the diet and uh, tasks and uh, reading and water mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. those type of things. So um, definitely back on that train. So, um, but yeah, it's been a great week uh, for, for a number of reasons, but I want to bring our guest in here. Super excited about this. We were talking offline. There's some commonalities. Um, this uh, gentleman that we're bringing on has written a book on leadership, and I'm, I'm super excited about getting into his content, his message, and what he does for a living and how he transforms teams and people um, and cultures of organizations. Um, I was on his, don't know him, I, I met him 15 minutes ago, and Joe met him <laughs> up, you know, a couple of days ago. And so I'm super excited about this, uh, about getting to know our guest. His name is Joe Scherer. And um, talking offline was uh, actually, Joe, looking through your, um, and I mentioned this before we pressed record, but looking through the content on your about section on LinkedIn, you know, you start with a, a sentence or two, but then you have 12 bullet points uh, that you kind of roll through on, you know, specialties or uh, things that you're expert on or things that you discuss or problem solve with your clients. And I mentioned Joe, I mentioned to Joe Quinn. Mm -hmm. That each one of those is an hour episode. So, so I was like, out of those 12, um, we could definitely put some content together and and where and have you back. But um, first, you know, welcome to our show. I appreciate you making time for us. And I think you passed up on some workshops or seminars to be with us and really appreciate the time that you made for us today. Well, likewise, George, uh, George and Joe, very happy to be here. Look forward to uh, talking leadership and, and, uh, and things like that with you today. Yeah, excited about it. And um, I, I just want to start kind of what you said before we got going um, and, and just to ask you to repeat it. Um, WashU, um, I, I've spent some time at WashU. For those that don't know, WashU, uh, Washington University here in St. Louis is regarded, it's an Ivy League school in the Midwest. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's a, it's a Harvard, Yale, Princeton that is tucked away by Forest Park here in St. Louis. And it is terribly impressive. I mean, it is. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've spent a little time there. They have a program that I was really interested in maybe 
five or six years ago on leadership. It was an MBA program for leadership, but it's the people, you know, the, the college, uh, the, you know, obviously the, the people that go there and the, the degrees that you get there. It's just an impressive place. Um, but you're involved with the school. Did, I guess my first question, did you go to school there as well or are you just employed there? No, I, I'm an alumni of Washington University. Uh, okay. got a Bachelor of Science degree in electrical engineering uh, in 1989. Mm, okay. So and, I, would, I always like yeah. to say that I'm, I'm happy to be employed at the school I struggled to graduate from the first time. So <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. What, now, now your involvement with them now. Um, what, what's your involvement with WashU now? Yeah. So I'm in the McKelvey School of Engineering again. Um, and I am the executive director of professional education. And we have a series of uh, graduate programs oriented towards primarily working professionals in the areas of construction, healthcare, information systems, cybersecurity, and engineering management. And then we also have a corporate and government training unit where we have open enrollment training courses, shorter courses designed primarily for uh, work we call upskilling. So if you want to get a little bit better in project management, business analytics, cybersecurity, IT, we have something for you there. Hmm. With, with with everything that you just kind of uh, you know mentioned to us, I mean that's a lot. That's a big net on on, on a number of things. Where, where, where's your niche? Where, like in terms of your passion, like when you roll in every day and the the time that you have been there, what right. what is the one? What's the one kind of item out of all those that 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 is truly your passion and that you enjoy the most out of all those? Yeah. Well, you know, certainly, certainly. Just being part of the, it, it's going to be a multi-dimensional answer, George. I mean, yeah, just that's being fine. A part of the uh, the Washington University community and the campus, it's absolutely gorgeous. You mentioned just the, the type of people that uh, when you were interested in the leadership program that you learned from, world-class scholars and researchers. Uh, and I think what really uh, floats my boat the most is just seeing the transformation in our students, mm. uh, whether it's undergraduate students or graduate and PhD students or working professionals, just seeing the change that occurs. Mm -hmm. And I really get a charge out of being a part of um, helping people get to the next step in their careers and lives and, and, and at Washington mm -hmm. University. It's really great. From an expertise standpoint, uh, my sweet spot's in, in cybersecurity. At this mm -hmm. point, I do a lot uh, within the school and the university and also within the St. Louis region to really help uh, put St. Louis on the map when it comes to uh, cybersecurity. Mm. Now, um, to get into it, um, and I appreciate that. I mean, that again, I can't, um, you know, I, if I have a three children and they're all younger, I have a fourth grader, fifth grader, sixth grader. And if I could say, hey, you're, you have a chance to go there at 18 years old, um, what an opportunity that is for all those students that are there. It's just an amazing place. And, uh, I, you know, as a proud, you are a proud alum and uh, to continue to be there for your professional career, you know, what a great blessing that is uh, to, to be involved with that community. Um, it's just an no amazing doubt. place. Yeah, no doubt. And place. I would encourage you to start talking to your kids about WashU now. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> it stuff. is. It is something you know, to like get I'm in there. Too, it's like I'm looking at all the books in your background and I'm right. just, man, think of like, you know, you're working with such smart people every day that you got to like sharpen your salt totally. all the time just to keep up because with yeah. the new changes, um, I can only imagine just the things that you constantly are learning. It's, it's, mm. it's a great place to be around. There's no doubt. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's kind of like, uh, it's the in, an intangible benefit of being there, mm. being around all these, I mean, truly smart people. Uh, it's incredible. Um, and it's very, it's, it's intellectually, st endlessly intellectually stimulating. And I, I love it. Mm. 
That's great. I want to I want to make sure that uh, you have a book out, and and I'm excited to get it and and, yeah. and read it and uh, highlight it and take notes and all the all the things that I kind of mark up with these books that I get. And so I'm excited about this. T- tell us a, a little bit about your book. Uh, how how long has your book been out? Uh, I, I published it in uh, 2000. 2015. It was uh, it was a labor of love. As I was transitioning out of the Air Force, I spent a career in the Air Force, and uh, this book was inside of me and needed to get out. So uh, it's part uh, it's it's part memoir. Uh, there's some stories uh, related to my experience in the Air Force, mm-hmm. and then uh, also just my interest and passion around leadership and and just how important uh, that is. So. Um, it's 99 cents on Amazon, and uh, also uh, I'd be free to email it to any of your uh, any of your listeners no, <laughs> okay. for free, no problem. Perfect. All right. So uh, for anybody that's listening, that if you want that book, I'll make sure his show notes are there and, uh, and his the information so you can get that. Uh, you, you hit on something. We had a gentleman on maybe a month or so ago, um, and that was also in the Air Force. And I just I always kind of pause when it comes to military and service and things of that nature because I'm fascinated by military leadership. Um, uh, and I, the reverence I have for people that have been in the serve, been in this service and have served our country. Um, yeah, I'm, I grew up a Navy brat and, awesome. um, I, I spend a lot of time studying and getting books. I, I, I've kind of on a kick, although I haven't found anything new in the past month of reading everything I could about mm-hmm. the Navy SEALs oh, and wow. the le- and the leadership that, uh, that people take from that when they are done with SEAL being a SEAL, I guess they would say they're never done being a SEAL, but the leadership when they go out into the business world. But that experience of of being in, I guess I would say this, and I said this to the gentleman we had on a month or so ago, when I used to coach basketball, we actually played, when I was at a junior college, we played a few games at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Nice. And I've never been so impressed, and I, I have not been to the other military academies. But the Air Force Academy, I remember stepping foot on that campus and just being so blown away or fascinated or enamored with that, with the facilities, with the people, with the the energy of that place. Did you spend a lot of time at that academy in Colorado Springs? Uh, I, I've I've not spent actually I've not spent a lot of time at the Air Force Academy, but um, there is a tremendous atmosphere. Uh, mm-hmm. I totally agree that comes with it. There's an aura and atmosphere. And, uh, and of course, a lot of my friends were academy grads, and uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, it, it's a life changing experience for you know a young kid coming in at eighteen, uh, you know, and, and emerging as a second lieutenant in the United States Air Force and doing that through the academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is palpable, just as you said. Yeah. yeah. Um, to, to get right into it um, with with some of your your content and the strategies, and uh, I always kind of say strategies, routines, uh, you know, rituals and habits, kind of. Yeah. Uh, but as it relates to leadership, uh, just in terms of that that time you spent in the Air Force, what what are some of those big ticket items that you carried with you from 18 to 24 to where you are now that have really kind of stood the test of time and your foundation of, you know, uh, of top notch leadership, business leadership, team yeah. leadership? Uh, what were some of those big takeaways for you from being in the academy or being in the Air Force? Well, the, the first thing that, that that comes to mind is, uh, and that that. Uh, um, I remember still on a daily basis is are the Air Force core values. It's it's mm. integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know I've examined these these core values you know from multi, multi, multiple different angles and and they hold up. 
Um, and in fact, I had the opportunity uh, this past weekend to go down to Missouri S&T, Missouri University of Science and Technology, mm-hmm. commission my best friend from high school's son, who's mm-hmm. going in the Air Force as a second lieutenant. And uh, I said, mm-hmm. I wrote him a little note. I said, always remember, rely on the Air Force core values, you know, integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. And, and those, that being the foundation uh, and, and touchstone for leadership, uh, it really um, helped to keep me out of trouble, mm. <laughs> number one, and uh, and and helped me um, really take the right approach to leadership, which is never about me. It's always about the mission and the people. Um, mm. That that comes first. Uh, and and I'll be honest, George and Joe, that uh, when I first came in the Air Force, it was more about me, um, more self before service. Uh, than service before self. But um, over time, being with people, uh, being deployed um, and encountering situations that challenge you, um, I, I, it, uh, it changed me. And mm. so uh, th- I, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Those are absolutely fa- uh, those those three core values are absolutely uh, fundamental from a leadership standpoint for me. Mm. To me, it's it's pretty pretty neat hearing you say that because actually yeah. the, the guest that George was referring to, um, Don Happen was the name, uh, Colonel. Uh, I think thirty years, maybe thirty five years in, and then you know he he goes out and and has a successful career, COO. Actually, just started at WashU here recently. Mm-hmm. Actually, very similar background to yourself. Yeah. Uh, the same mission that you stated, he stated. Uh, I want to say I, I thought. The phrase that stuck with me, and I don't know if I have this right, mission first, people always, I think, is what he said. I don't know if that's right or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the phrases that you mentioned are the same uh, that he said. So how I've worked for companies, quite frankly, big companies, I don't even remember their mission statement. So what's what's the difference? Like how how did they do that? How did they ingrain that into you all? And obviously, it had a profound impact on you. Yeah, right. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, Well. I think as a general rule, the people that, that enter the military um, in whatever capacity mm-hmm. uh, they have, whether it's well-formed or not, an idea of, of serving, serving our country, right. And doing something noble, um, you know, in the defense of, uh, of our, of our nation. So I think it, it starts from there. Um, but it's interesting in the military. So mm-hmm. I went through the ROTC program at, at WashU and then, Every three or four years, um, the Air Force sent me to a school, a leadership school that was that was uh, appropriate for the level that I was at. Like as a as a young captain, I went to squadron officer school. Then as a colonel, I went to uh, Air War College Um, and in between all kinds of other training to to help me be able to uh, to lead and deal with the responsibilities that I was being assigned at the time. And every one of those courses, you know, the foundation you know, it, it's it's always about hey, it, it's about serving our country. It's about the mission, mm-hmm. and and how do we actually get that done in a way that's uh, moral, moral and ethical and above board. So it's it's mm-hmm. uh it's part of the conversation. It's part of the it's in the water, if you, so to speak. And mm-hmm. this is not just the airports. It's all the it's all the military services. Right. How how do what do what happens at the Air Force? to have someone like you and Don Halpin that we had on. And I understand it's ingrained. So you being able yeah. to repeat this and, this, you know, service, integrity, and excellence, you know, and those are, um, you know, but this idea that it's so ingrained, I'm curious as to 
not not everybody has that when you roll in, right? And it's That's it's right. taught, and it's it's either um, you know it's either corrected um, or it's recognized, right? Like, hey, like right. I recognize Joe. Like, hey, you just did this, and you're your service of Joe, mm-hmm. and like that's perfect, and that's what we're all about. Or, hey, you you had an opportunity to do this, and you didn't, and this is what you did, and that's not how we roll. And right. now you have to do X. So it's either kind of the admonishment of it, or it's the recognition of it. And is that just? Uh, and I'm sure it's on the other end of maybe like, hey, you're not living up to these values. And I'm is that is that what you see on TV where people are just carrying logs over their heads and running in surfs <laughs> and sand and they're just being screamed at by people when they don't live up to those values? Or is it just is it just over time? It's just in front of you so much that it just becomes your DNA. Or is it like more abrupt than that? Is it just right in your face all the time? Um, I would, yeah, that's a that's a great it's a great question. I, I wouldn't say it's uh, it's like in your face. There may be certain instances mm-hmm. where it might be like in SEAL training, <laughs> right? You know, because there's there's uh, there's a bar that you need to clear, and I, I think that's really the key here is that there's an expectation of a certain type of behavior, you know, um, and, and attitude when you're when you're in the military service, and it, re- it revolves around you know th- those core values and. You know, when I was a commander in the Air Force, I had the opportunity to do that five separate times at different levels. Um, and a lot of people may not know this, but so um, the, the Air Force has a separate body of law called the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So as a commander, I was actually judge and jury when uh, people in the unit committed infractions that were against the UCMJ. Uh, so that was definitely the stick part mm-hmm. of you know, this inculcation of, of this ethos, mm-hmm. but uh, tremendous rewards too. I mean, just w- not only through promotions, but recognition um, for jobs well done. And the best leaders were the ones who were able to balance balance those uh, in, 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 the, in the proper way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always with the recognition that, you know, everybody that joins the military volunteers for this. Nobody is forced or conscripted uh, it's volunteers. It's amazing. So you get people, I mean, generally who want to be there and, mm-hmm. and, but the folks that don't, they, they, I say they self-identify and self-eliminate at, at, at some mm-hmm. point, right. Whether mm-hmm. that's early on in basic training and they, they're like, Hey, this is not for me or down the road. Uh, they just, they, they discover that, uh, Hey, the bar's too high or mm-hmm. I don't want to even work at clearing the bar. And then, uh, you know, we, uh, we find ways for them to, you know, find employment, uh, in the civilian sector. Yeah. I, 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 I could talk about this stuff all day long and get your perspective. I have a million questions rolling sure. through my hair. The one thing I was thinking about when we kind of talked, like, uh, we, Joe asked me right when we started, you know, um, how I'm doing. And I mentioned, you know, this health challenge that I'm on and all this yeah. sort of stuff. So I did 75 days of this health challenge. And really what this is all about, this health challenge is to create new habits, to raise your standards, to try to be, you know, live your best life, all this sort of stuff. Right. And then, you know, I'm done with the 75 days and then I go five days without it. Then I start the next phase. That's 30 days. And then I got off that and my standards get, you know, somewhat high. Right. But then there's this kind of letdown to it. And it's this idea of being able to keep those standards and change my habits. So there's no letdown. There's no, you know, going downhill that I've raised my standards by, by this certain thing. And and you have me thinking about the military has to have 
the highest standards, right? We're protecting the country, you know, and other, you know, and uh, defending the country, all this sort of stuff. And people die if decisions aren't, you know, made correctly and things of that nature. And the standards to, to be elite, to be a part of those organizations is just so high. Is there, how, how do they do that? Why is that and so important? What can I take away? And what could you tell us and our audience about how to raise our standards individually, with our teams, with our organizations, and how can we sustain and not get complacent with those standards, but try to excel and exceed those standards? I'm curious because the military is like, you play here and we never right. come down, right? You, we right. never come down. You know, I had three days off from my health challenge and my standards dropped where I was sitting around <laughs> rolling through Instagram for two hours in the morning, you know, and all that and saying, well, you know, clearly this didn't, I didn't hang on to this, right? Um, but you yeah. all have to, you all have to play at a high level all the time. How, how do you do, how do you sustain that level of excellence? Well, uh, yeah, a few ways. Um, and, and these have carried over into my, you know, my, my current life, if you will, too, is, um, and this is one thing I learned uh, early in my career and, and it, it changed me profoundly. Um, we never do anything alone. Um, so, uh, there's always a team around you. Uh, and it's just the awareness that of tapping into that support system. So um, we're not machines. Mm. Uh, and I, I think Joe and George, you would agree, we're not machines. But uh, and, and so it's very difficult to, to sustain that high level of excellence on one's own. But when you have a team around you that's striving for the same goal, um, so they, they, they lift you up. Mm. Or maybe one day, like, for instance, uh, you know, um, I don't want to work out. I'm like, well, no, I, I, I've got a teammate over here that's, that's, that's working out, um, and I can't let that teammate down. Um, so that's going to maybe help pick me up or give some additional motivation that I, I couldn't find on my own. So it's, mm. it's that type of thing. The other thing is just, um, just the standards themselves. All right, it, it's like, this is what we're going to do, and this is what you know the Air Force as an institution says that we need to do in order to be the uh, the five finest uh, flying and fighting force that you know the, the planet has ever known. So uh, those are definitely two ways, and you know carrying it over to you know to me now. I'm, I'm a, I, I like to race my bike. I'm a master's bicycle racer. I'm not I'm not that great, but I love it. And uh, there's some days I just don't want to get on the bike, but you know I have a coach. I've got some skin in the game with the coach. I'm paying the coach. Um, I've got some goals uh, that are keeping me focused and uh, that helps a lot too. So having that support system and then having a goal. So like on the 75 day challenge, it's like, um, what's your next goal? What's, what's, what's the next thing you want to achieve? You know, mm -hmm. it's that type of thing. It's, it's having something that you're always striving for. So that goal orientation and, and, you know, equating it to the military, it's, uh, you know, what happens to, uh, you know, someone who gets second place in a war, you know, it's not good. <laughs> so, you know, uh, right. you know, the goal is to win. Uh, and, you know, so so that's, you know, that that's the overarching thing. No one wants to get second place in a war, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So how do we not how do we avoid how do we create a goal such that uh, it's going to keep us, you know, striving to win and mm -hmm. uh, and go to that next level or at least maintain a level. So those are a few thoughts. Is it okay to talk about winning and losing and what that look like, looks like, feels like, sounds like? 
um, in a professional business world where it's not, there's no scoreboard, there's no war, people aren't dying. Is it okay to sit there and say, Hey, we need to release this by this date. And that's our winning. That's our, that's our goal line. And we're either winning or losing. It is okay to have that language. You think? I, I think so. And, you know, this kind of from a psychological uh, perspective, and I'm not a psychologist by, by any means, but uh, I, with my team, I like to do, uh, and I did this in the Air Force too, I like to do these assessments like the Gallup, Gallup Strength Finder, mm-hmm. like DISC. Um, and, and what I've discovered is there's always a segment or a, a group within a company or an organization um, that loves winning, right? So. Yeah. Talking in those terms is really motivating to them. Uh, so I, I think it's as long as you frame it properly. I mean, I I do that on a on a routine basis, and I always I I, I love to talk about putting W's on the board. Um, and right. but but the, the important thing is just like what does what is winning is 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 defining what winning is in, in your particular contents or our context. For us, is you know we want to teach as many students as we possibly can. Uh, so how do we, and every time we get one to, to enroll, that's a, that's a W on the board for us because we get a chance to transform lives. It's that type of, mm. that type of explanation. And it's very motivating, um, yeah. for, for me in particular, cause you know, <laughs> I like to win. and yeah. I, I ask it because, well, one, you said winning and this kind of triggers in my mind, but it, yeah. it's interesting. I used to coach basketball for a living and did it for a number of years Yeah, and, and I've had coaches talk about winning all the time, you know, does it help us win? You know, let's get focused on what helps us win. And, and it's okay to talk about winning a national championship and things like that. Then I've had other coaches say, I never talk about winning. I talk Uh about the process and these three or four things and these 10 things we need to do. And if we do those things, well, winning will take care of itself. And so I'm, I'm curious, like, like my professional world and the it world, I do talk about winning, but there's also in the back of my mind going, if we do these 10 things, right we'll have the success. We will have the win, but let's focus on process and these individual components that if we do those well, winning will take care of itself. Yeah, George, I, I, and I, I am in complete alignment with, with that approach. I'm a very, uh, for me personally, from a leadership perspective, I think process is, is, uh, is critically important and having the, 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 a well-calibrated process. And I think this applies to any endeavor, like you said, whether in athletics or not, but where I where I kind of diverge is, uh, you know, it's usually here, you know, trust the process. Yeah, and I get that, I understand it, it's important. But I always, always, it's 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 as important. You got to have both. It's as important. Well, you're you're doing the process to what end, right? Why are you even engaging in the process? So I think a lot of times people say focus on the process to maybe take off some of the the self imposed pressure of winning. And mm-hmm. if that's what it is, I think I think I understand that. But um, why execute a process when you, you don't understand what the outcome you're trying to achieve is? Right. I mm-hmm. think you need both. And that's where, you know, that nice balance comes in. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, when we when I when I was looking through your notes here on your thing, the first thing that kind of I mean, all of it all of it's awesome. Like I could, again, I, I could go into all this and we, I would love to have that conversation and maybe we will, um, you know, at, at another time with all this, but I'm interested in um, dysfunctional culture. That was your number yeah. two on there. And, and I, and I, you know, I, I kind of have this mindset of, of 
spending a lot of time. I spend a lot of time thinking about culture and environment yeah. and how we build elite teams and what an elite team looks like and what people in 2021 want professionally and, um, right. and how we can make sure that, you know, I work in an industry where, and at a company where if we lose, if we have somebody that's been there five to 10 years or even more than 10 years and we lose them, like we lose them, like, Hey, this isn't for me anymore. That's a significant blow to our company significant oh, because yeah. of how complex and how demanding and the knowledge that's in there that it would take somebody brand new five years to get up to speed to to even contribute at that elite level and so but my mind thinks because of that um what kind of environment do we have what kind of culture do we have how are our right. teams built what's the language we use how do we recognize acknowledge uh great efforts and how do we acknowledge our teams like that's always on my mind and so i'm curious then about like dysfunctional culture, dysfunctional teams, what that looks like and, and how you overcome some of those things. But your experience, you know, with all these different teams, companies, organizations, what, what are kind of those, those landmines that you see out there that kind of keep bubbling up of what dysfunctional culture looks like, sounds like, feels like? Yeah. If I could boil it down to, to one thing, um, it's, lack of trust among team members, mm. um, which is ultimately um, revealed in a unwillingness to be upfront and honest with each other, to have the type of relationship where you know each other so well, um, mm. you're, you're, everyone's strengths, limitations, um, th their motivations, what they bring to the table, um, that, uh, you know, the, the, the dysfunction comes in when that type of dynamic is not in place. So, um, you know, the Navy's done a lot of study on this uh, through their combat in information centers on ships. Um, you could bring in a team of the, the, the utmost experts, but if they don't get along and they don't trust each other, their performance uh, suffers. So mm. ultimately, I mean, really, from a team perspective, it's always a, it, it boils down to the quality of those interpersonal relationships. So, mm. so that's part one. Um, but from a leadership perspective, uh, I remember I was I, I, one of the best years I spent in the Air Force. I was I went to the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island. It was it was awesome, and uh, we had the uh, uh, the chief of naval operations, uh, an admiral, four star admiral, come in and talk to us. And uh, this was during the Rumsfeld years. Um, in the early 2000s. And he said, uh, you know, culture ultimately boils down to us. We set the culture. So uh, we as leaders have, have a responsibility to, to set up that environment uh, so that people can thrive. Mm. And people thrive when um, they're able to, you know, see, see themselves sort of self-actualized or or uh, do something they feel is meaningful. That's where the concept of like winning and goals really mm -hmm. is important. And the people got to see themselves in that. Uh, but then beyond that is, is setting up an environment where, you know, it's, it's uh, people can relate to each other and, and they're supportive. That's the hard part. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, a lot of that then boils down to being so clear about your culture and be able to communicate in such, such a way that, People, when they go through the hiring process, they understand if they're going to fit in there and they want to be a part of it or not. And I, I think if you get that right, um, you go a long way to 
both creating and sustaining the culture that you're after. So you, you mentioned, you know, lack of trust being really the major contributor to dysfunctional teams. I mean, what, when that, to me, that's, that's a big word. Like, what do you, when you're saying lack of trust, like maybe give us some examples, are we talking lack of trust within just like my peers uh, up and down the ladder or where, where are you seeing that lack of trust? Yeah. So there's um uh, so I subscribe to a leadership philosophy called uh, transformational leadership, also servant leadership. But yep. uh, two writers called uh, researchers in this area, two eminent leadership, uh, academic uh, leadership uh, researchers, Jim Kuznis and Barry Posner, um, they, they talk about the moral component of leadership. Right. So people are are going to be more inclined to follow someone uh, that they perceived as, as being morally upright. And this also extends to teams. So let's just for an example. So let's say you have a teammate that when you sit down and talk to, to him or her, you have one conversation and then they go behind your back and they start bad mouthing you uh, and talking about how horrible of a you know project manager you are or whatever. That's not going to engender trust. It's that type of thing. It's like, you know, it's, 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 it's like this. So you can trust that what people say is actually what you're getting, whether they're, you're with them or not. And when it's, yeah. it's when people aren't with you or you're not with them, that's where the problems arise because it's so hard to, to tell someone generally that in a way that's productive, um, Hey, I really, I'm struggling with how you're handling this or, you know, I, I really don't like what you said, and here's why. It's those types of conversations that are hard, but those are the things that help clear the air and establish a basis and grounds for trust. Mm. But I hope that helps. No, it does. I mean, what do, what do you recommend for teams? I mean, I heard to, I guess, make improvements. Uh, maybe the, the DISC assessment, that probably is one possibility. But what other things, like, I mean, how do we, how do we instill trust? Because mm. – Trust means different things to different people. Some people may trust you the first time they meet you. Other right. people, you know, might take years or, you know, times and time again of proving themselves in some sort of way. Right. What What is your recommendation in terms of improving trust within teams? If I could boil it down to one thing, it's mm -hmm. this. Do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. If you do that, that'll get you 80 or 90% of the way there. Mm -hmm. The other few percent is uh, being a willingness to have those those harder conversations, particularly with from a leadership perspective, if, to, to your direct reports or to members of your team, and then teaching you know, the leaders within your team to do that same thing. Yeah, what, what I have down, and, and I'm taking notes here on, on all of this and trying to, and I'll, this is one of those episodes I'm going to go back and listen to again. <laughs> I, I think this is awesome, or figure out how I can go have an, a cup of coffee with you. Yeah. What I, what I hear you saying, this is what I'm taking that you're saying, is one, you need to have a clear agenda on what you're trying to do. And hopefully the agenda that you have is tied to the mission and the betterment of the team and the product and the service and the organization, right? That, yes. that you that you have the integrity that you talk about, right? Uh, as one of the core values of the Air Force, right? That you, that, but then there's the consistency in that, that yeah. like you're going to do it over. And what I say, how I live, the language I use is going to be tied to the agenda, the mission and our outcomes. And you can count on it every single time. And because of that, then we can have this relationship. And then I know without question 
that I can trust you. If I know that you are locked in on the mission, that there's not some sort of self-serving agenda to it, and you're consistent with that language with me, with Joe, with with whomever else, then I can trust you. And if I can trust you, then it, it it's the same thing. Like, you know, I have a deeper relationship with my wife because I, we know we trust each other. Yes. We know that we know that it's not self-serving, that I love her. I care about her. We're headed the same way. We've got similar goals and passions and things we'd like to do in our life. And we display that over and over and over again. Now I know I can trust her. Right. And our yeah. relationship is deeper. Um, and that's what I'm taking away. And I, and I love it. Right. I absolutely love that. But I'm, I'm curious that I'm, I'm, my mind is thinking about Navy SEALs, not that Navy SEALs training is more difficult than than Air Force or other things. Well, it but is. I, <laughs> oh, it is? Okay, let's be honest. Okay, perfect. You said it. I didn't. I'm not going to disparage uh, other training that goes he has on. Experience. He wouldn't know. But let's think about that for a second. You take this hardcore training that the toughest men in the world roll through, and, and I've been studying this recently, and I am fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by it because of the mindset and the people that go through that say, George, or they didn't tell me, George, but they're telling me in these books and articles and, and videos that I watch that it's it's not the skilled athlete. Right. It's not the guy that can do X, Y, and Z. It's the guy that is just top notch, mentally tough enough to kind of roll through and, and handle some of this stuff. But I'm picturing these guys in a, in the surf carrying boats and logs and sit-ups and push-ups and being screamed at. And they're in these little um, you know, brigades or teams or whatever. Are you telling me that those tough guys, the the, the toughest men on the planet, that their core training is really gonna boil down to my relationship with the guy next to me holding this log and boat and getting screamed at and my ability to trust him. And, and that is that even though it may not be articulated that way in these trainings, but is that what they're building this sense of trust and uh, togetherness and shared suffering, shared sacrifice that they're doing together to build those people into a unit? I think you've got that. uh, I think you've got that right, George. You know, it's Mm. also, you know, building the skills they'll need to, you know, to accomplish the mission, but doing it as a team. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm fascinated. Well, just a quick story. When I was in ROTC, I, I went to uh, Army Airborne School at, uh, at Fort Benning as an, as an Air Force cadet. And we had a, a SEAL team that had just uh, graduated BUDS. Uh, and I, I got to tell you what, uh, these, uh, this, this group of uh, SEALs were, uh, I mean, they would like, you know, gnaw the upholstery up off your, you know, off your, your armchair. I mean, they were like, just like super intense uh, and, and very, very, very confident. Let me just, mm. let me just say it that way. Um, but, but all of them would talk about, you know, their shared experience and how it brought them together and how the people, you know, the, the, the you know, the, the, the process is designed to weed out the folks that aren't fit for the Navy SEALs and, a lot of it is that mental resilience, but it's also, are they, you know, do they have the ability to work with, with, with a team, you know, because mm. if you, you know, you can be the best, you know, shooter, swimmer or whatever, but if you can't do that in the context of a team setting then you're no good to them. Right. Mm. And, and so I think you've got that right. Mm. Do, do you think that I could talk about this for hours and I know we, <laughs> we only have 50 minutes and I'm, and I'm sitting here just uh, wanting to do more of this, but, um, the confidence that you said and the toughness and the intensity, intensity and confidence you said about these gentlemen that go yes. through that, that um, it's deserved, right? It's totally. deserved. Like, like, absolutely. Like if you, if you go through that, 
if you are uh, trained that way, if you have sacrificed that way, if you've been brought together, you should have that. You should flex, right? You should be confident. You should be intense. And you well, should yeah, I mean, you right? don't want an unconfident SEAL going into combat right? <laughs> or an unconfident fighter pilot. And, you know, the folks that make it through the, the, this type of training, you know, I made it through three weeks of, you know, Army Airborne School. Mm -hmm. uh, it was great. Um, uh, I wouldn't want to repeat it. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, they're a very, very small percentage of the population. Mm -hmm. And they've self-selected. They've almost willed themselves to become a SEAL. Yeah. You know, so it, it, that's a quality to be admired. And that's what we want in our, you know, America's fighting force is that type of that type of attitude. Yeah. But it's all, uh, but you have me thinking, yes, absolutely. These are the these are the elite. Right. In terms yeah. of our armed forces. Right. But it also has me thinking about me and my teams. Right. And, yeah. and my my software teams. Right. And Joe's teams with his companies. And, and I'm sitting around thinking about, yeah, we're not Navy SEALs. Right. And we're, but it's this idea of we've gone through this together. We've Absolutely. done things that nobody said we could do. We've yeah. executed things that other teams can't do. And yes, we should have confidence. We should know and we should trust one another. If we're confident that we can do it and I trust Joe and he trusts me and we know that we can battle through any sort of storm that's coming our way and that we're going to do it with some intensity and we know we're right like that. Those are the type of people and the type of teams that we'd all like to be a part of and uh, uh, that we would like to lead, right? It's no different yeah. than SEALs than a, an IT team, right? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I think it's, it's, it, that's the type of team um, uh, I, I think I've built at Wash U um, mm. where there's just a, like a, you know, always an undercurrent of, of, of excitement and anticipation. And, you know, I call them battle scars too. I mean, we, we've, we've been through, you know, these, these rough patches, these, these shared experiences and, uh, you know, in my book, I, I talk about, you know, celebrating our victories. Oh, now, too yeah. often, you know, it's just all about the grind. You know, we just come in, you know, go to work, come mm -hmm. home. You mm -hmm. know, man, I mean, I mean, we there there are times for us to celebrate. And uh, from a leadership perspective, it's really important because then that becomes part of our shared narrative, our story, you know, yeah. part of who we are, our identity. And it feeds into the culture, right. all those types of things. Um, Man, how long, how long do you think we should be celebrating? I had this conversation <laughs> the other day. No, it's a, it's an interesting, I, I, it's yeah. an interesting thing. I've heard, you know, I like talking to my team about what they're capable of and what they've done. And even if it were something six months ago, like, Hey, remember when that sort of thing, remember how that felt remember what you yeah. did, things of that nature. I've heard, then I had a, a, a conversation with somebody that was, Hey, you got 24 hours. Like, hey, because elite people don't think in the past. They think about what's next and what's next, right? I sat back and scrolled through Instagram after 75 days of working out saying, man, that was cool, right? Remember where <laughs> yeah. I was? Like, instead of thinking about what's next, what's next. But how, lo how, long, how long should you really think about that and hold on to past achievements, accomplishments, or should you immediately get your teams focused on the what's next? I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it, it's a judgment call, but in, in general, you celebrate the moment and you move on. And, you know, the celebrate in the moment piece could be longer or shorter, depending on, on, you know, the situation. One quick little uh, story. Um, I had a squadron, my, la my, my last job in the Air Force, I was uh, in charge of the Air Force's only combat coded uh, communications wing. So we were deployable, going to a hot environment. In other words, you know, roll off the back of a C-17 and be shot at while setting up, you know, networks and satellite 
links and radio mm-hmm. nets and all these kind of things. And uh, so we had it. We had an inspection. Headquarters came in and, and did an inspection, and this squadron got a perfect score. I had never, I had never experienced it. I'd mm-hmm. never seen it. I'd never heard of it. So that was uh, this was probably 2012. That was when the song "The Harlem Shake" was popular. I don't know right. if you remember the Harlem Shake. Oh, mm-hmm. right. So I said, yep. "Hey, I said, set up the speakers, get a flatback truck. I want to talk to the squadron." And so uh, I, I just heaped this effusive praise on him. I gave him a three-day pass, and I said, "All right, cue the music." And I went down in the middle of the squadron, and, I, and we started dancing the Harlem Shake, right? <laughs> and uh, all the squadron is there. I mean, like 150 airmen, and then all of a sudden, I noticed that I was the only one dancing. Right, <laughs> you know, so um, and they loved it. I loved it. There's probably a video out there somewhere of me doing the Harlem Shake, but you know, um, that was our celebration, and then we moved on. All right, mm. but that was a memory that we were able to create together, and then they were able to reference and access, you know, um, to, to for them to be able to go back and say, yeah, we did that. We're pretty mm. darn good, you know, and then use that as as a springboard to get even better or do, do more good things. That yeah. Thing. Yeah. Is, is, are those your teachable moments where I, I'm curious, you know, you have this team that does something that's never been done before you celebrate it. And if you, I, I, I look at it as co- leadership and coaching, I always kind of use the phrase that, that I'm, I'm always going to consider myself a coach. So you're coaching yeah. these, these, uh, you know, um, gentlemen, ladies, and, how do you recenter them that they're capable of more after they do something extraordinary? How do you, how, I mean, th- that's what I'm thinking. Like, Hey, we're, we're good here, but let's, let's figure out what's next. What's better, how we can be uh, w- truly find out what we're capable of. And when you have a team that executes at that level and you celebrate it, how do you get them recentered to that? Uh, you know what guys, that was great, but moment. Yeah. Well, but um, is, is means refocusing on the mission. Right. Yeah. Whether it's an educational mission or a mission to deliver software, um, because that mission endures. Mm-hmm. And, and that's ultimately what we're accountable for is the accomplishment of the mission. I think it's really great terminology to, to describe, um, you know, why we even have, you know, why we care about teams and that type of thing, because, you know, we have a mission to accomplish, whether it's in the business or military or otherwise. So. Um, and it's just, it's like, okay, hey, we had fun. We enjoyed ourselves. Um, you know, we're like the St. Louis Blues. We won the cup in 2019. Now let's figure right. out how to go get another mm-hmm. one. You know, I think maybe your story in basketball, you know, we won the Pachuco championship. Now let's, let's figure out how to go, go get another one, that type of thing. Right. Right. I know we're coming up kind of on a hard stop in four or five minutes. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess my request would be, man, I'd love to, re- I'd love to schedule another, uh, you know, 45 minutes or an hour with you know your schedule's tight, yeah. but I'd love to be able to do that because there's so much um there's so much that you have and so much that you've experienced that would be great for uh, you know selfishly for me and Joe and for our audience <laughs> it's really been good the one thing that and and we've kind of uh, hit on this with a number of our guests but you actually brought it up and and Joe and I've talked about this quite a bit one thing you know Joe and I are good friends one thing I appreciate about about Joe and 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 hopefully appreciate about me is we are friends. Like we hang out together and we go have drinks together and our kids play ball together, all this sort of stuff, right? If anything good happens for Joe, he knows he can call me up and celebrate. Like, hey, this happened. This happened for you know my daughter, my sons, whatever. We were with each other today talking about some successes that his kids are having and playing in district playoff baseball and all that. So it's like, hey, I can go to that guy 
and celebrate anything that's going on in my life. And likewise, I, I feel I can do the same. Yeah. And so I'm kind of on this, like we have to be able to celebrate what the heck's going on. we got to step away from, and we have to have people in our lives we can celebrate. And you mentioned that with some of your teams, right? That you did this and you've got to be able to celebrate it. Yeah. So my question is this, and we've asked this to a number of people, and I'm, that's kind of my word for the year is this, you know, being able to go knock things out and accomplish things and then just be able to sit back and, and say, man, look what we did. Um, but as you look back at your experience, either Wash U, military, the teams that you've uh, seen change, but you, you said something earlier about, you know, a W for us. And I really appreciate this. The W for us is getting an, somebody to enroll at our school because that provides us an opportunity to change their lives, provide value, experiences, wisdom, um, education, so that they go out and just crush it in life. And that's our W. I mean, I think that's an awesome perspective. It's an awesome mission. Like it's just, that's really impacted me in, in our 45 minutes together about, it's about that person and impacting that person. But when you look back at your career, military, professional, wash you, and I'm, I'm asking you to be proud of yourself. I'm asking you to be really arrogant and think about yourself. <laughs> yeah. What have you done when you sit back and survey that landscape and that time of something you did? Like, you know what, George, I did this and it's the proudest I can remember being, and I celebrated it. And share that, share a moment or two with us where you've had those experiences, that celebration uh, that you're really proud of through your time. Yeah, the you know the one that comes to mind is uh, so I was stationed uh, at the Pentagon from uh, 2005 to 2007. I was uh, lieutenant colonel at the time, and I literally had a dusty corner in the basement of the Pentagon. And as you recall, you know, in 2005, six, seven, um, uh, the United States was heavily involved with in Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, things were, it were touch and go, you know, we could say. Uh, but at that time, uh, uh, the Chinese people, People's Liberation Army figured out how to break into the Department of Defense's unclassified networks. Mm. Um, I think they were uh, and it wasn't it wasn't uh, they weren't quiet about it. It was almost it was a smash and grab type of thing. And so the Secretary of Defense at the time, Rumsfeld, was, you know, the, the civilians in the Pentagon said he was exercised about this situation. I mean, he was, he was like super PO'd. Mm -hmm. So I had my boss, who was a Marine colonel, come by my desk and said, uh, hey, uh, Chinese are messing around our networks and uh, we don't have a national military strategy for cybersecurity. Can you write one for us? And I looked at him, I said, you want me to write a national military strategy for cybersecurity? He's like, yeah. So uh, I had the opportunity to, to form an elite team of, uh, of all four military services. And uh, we actually, in 16 months, which is light speed, if you know. No, right, in the military. Standpoint, we were able to produce the nation's first national military strategy for cyberspace operations. Wow. Uh, you can go on the internet. There's a redacted version. It was published. It was secret, but it was redacted. You can actually uh, find it. And uh, uh, I, I, that was that was my document, right? Mm. Coordinated across all four military services, 52 defense defense agencies, National Security Council, Department of Homeland Security, CIA, NSA, and maybe some others that I'm forgetting. And we mm. did it in 16 months. And th that document, even though no one will ever know. That I was the guy that led the team, I know. Mm -hmm. And my chain of command at the time, a three-star general, Bob Shea, best general officer I ever worked for, Marine Corps also, Colonel Rob Gearhart, my team, we know. 
And mm -hmm. uh, so that was, when I look at my career highlight reel, George, uh, that's probably, that, that's, that's number one. Mm -hmm. So. I love that. You actually bring up a great point of, uh, you know, being, having leaders that do sit there and say, you know what, listen, nobody's going to know we did this. Nobody's <laughs> going to know. Right? right. It's, but it's our win. And it, yeah. it's what, it, what, it's what it means to us. It, what it, nobody's going to know, but this is a huge win for us and we did it and nobody's going to acknowledge, recognize it outside of maybe the 10 of us, but we yeah. are going to feel, we will know, we will know that we did X. We did. And it, it's, it, it, yeah. That's if, awesome. you look, if you look at uh, what's going on in the department of defense now, we have United States cyber command, there's budget uh, mm -hmm. dollars. We have a cyber force mm. in, in each of the services. That document that we wrote produced was the foundation for everything that has occurred afterwards. Wow. It was it was a uh, we encountered a lot of resistance, a lot, mm. uh, but it really transformed how the armed forces organize, train, equip, and fight in cyberspace. It's pretty awesome. Wow. So you are, you, you built that foundation. So mm -hmm. you, your footprints and handprints are all over the last 16 years or whatever of, of <laughs> starting that up. That's the, yeah, you should feel definitely proud of that. Joe, yeah. you were saying something? No, I was going to say you yeah. and I probably better not share our stories. I'm pretty sure we can't top that. One. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Awesome, right. So, seriously, right. thank you for your service to our country. Yeah. And Joe. That project that what you did there and, and your time in that it me means a lot to all of us. Yeah. Uh, it means uh, thanks a lot. It means it means a lot to me too. So mm -hmm. thank you very much. No, thank you. Hey, um, Joe. As we wrap up here, people can track you down. Best way LinkedIn. Best way to get LinkedIn. People. Yeah, LinkedIn is great. Uh, you know, if, if they want to message me on LinkedIn, that that's probably the most straightforward way to do it. And uh, and uh, I'm happy to connect with anybody who wants to talk leadership or learn a little bit more about executive coaching or what it might be. Yeah, perfect. We'll have all his information in the show notes. Really. Again, uh, I think you passed up on some seminars and workshops uh, <laughs> today to spend time with us. Um, it was a great, hopefully you enjoyed it. It was a great 45, 50 minutes for us. And I hope everybody listening really enjoyed this. Reach out to Joe on, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, his book is available on Amazon, 99 cents. But if you email him, he'll get you a copy, electronic copy. And that will be in our show notes as well. And again, Joe, appreciate that hour. There's so much uh, content in there. Would love to have you back on and uh and spend some more time with you thank you so much for your time today thank you george and joe it was just great appreciate it